you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back once again to another Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. DJ's still on a little bit of a sabbatical with college work and all going on, but I'm here taking you through these season recap shows. I hope you've been enjoying them so far, and uh, on today's we're going to be talking all about the San Diego Chargers with one of the hosts of the Bolt Talk podcast, Lauren, from their show, and I'm looking forward to sharing his thoughts about all things Chargers, and uh, of course I was at a Chargers game early in the season, and uh, you know I kind of had a keen eye on them throughout the year as well, so you follow them closely, there's a lot of interesting stuff coming up, including things like possibility of them moving to LA and so on and so forth and obviously Lauren wasn't too impressed with the talk of them possibly moving in with the Oakland Raiders but you'll get to hear all that coming up in the show in just a moment or two obviously to start the show we always plug our site and that is OvertimeIreland.com our Twitter handle is at OvertimeIreland if it's your first time listening to the show please do go there hit the subscribe button do follow us on Twitter do all those good things of course you can leave us a written or a comment too while you're on iTunes or Stitch or whatever you're listening to us on and uh, thanks again for all the continued support all the retweets right the week really help us here to grow our audience and uh, to grow the the views on OvertimeIreland.com. Last Word on Sport are our partners, of course, and we're up on the Last Word on Sport radio network. Check out their website, LastWordOnSport.com, and check out all the articles up there. And the best way, really, to get all the stuff going up without being on the site is to follow their Twitter feed, and it'll come up in your feed, get you all the latest news coming up. And, of course, they have you covered for different sites. They have an NFL site, they have a college basketball site, college football site. So click on them there as well, their other Twitter handles, and uh, get all the good stuff there. And that's LastWordOnSport.com. Later on in the show, I'm going to be doing a little recap through some of the news bits, a lot of interesting pieces and news coming out in the last few days. We'll be going through all that and seeing uh, what, what my thoughts are on a lot of those things. So let's get straight into the Chargers thing. I know there's a lot of people there very interested in the San Diego Chargers, and uh, let's get straight into their recap right now. Hi, this is former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker, the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and you are listening to the Overtime Island Podcast. So we're back for the next of our NFL season recaps. We've been doing this here for the last uh, few weeks. We've been firing them out quick and fast to, to try and get as much information out to the listeners of all the different teams around the National Football League. And we're going to be joined now by Lauren Casuto. Hopefully I'm not butchering your name there. Uh, Lauren, you're uh, the host of the Bolt Talk podcast. And this here's uh, going to be all covering the San Diego Chargers, of course. Damien Brennan, our man in Dublin, was the man that advised us to get you on the show. So we're looking forward to talking Chargers with you. Likewise, thank you, uh, gentlemen, for having me on. Uh, real pleasure to be on uh, in an international show. Uh, we've been we've we've had a lot of European uh, bowl fans come across, and it's led me to a large group of population that I never knew was a big football fan. So this is a real pleasure to join you guys. Yeah, and it's very interesting, actually, Damien. I mentioned he was the guy up in Dublin who suggested we get you on the show, and he was telling me via DM there earlier today that there's actually a meeting of European Bolts fans uh, in Dublin this weekend. So that there's something I'm sure you weren't uh, you might have been aware of but there is it seems to be a big uh, chargers community over here uh there is in london in dublin it's it's great to hear about it and uh yeah based on weather and everything going on i would rather like to be in dublin and enjoying a pine with, with all of them as opposed to freezing out here <laughs> yeah obviously over here uh you know the weather is very cold as well so i don't know i think you might have you're you're not in san diego yourself no i'm uh, i actually live near uh philadelphia so yeah, i moved out there. here about three years ago yeah, but a bit colder there. Probably closer to the climate that we we have over here in Ireland. But uh, just starting off the season, obviously started off. It looked like it was going to be a very good season. It maybe tailed off towards the end. But just a one out of ten rating the season. What would you give? What rating would you give it? I probably would have given it about a 
about a six, I'd say. Uh, I, I think the Chargers made some nice progress in some areas. And as you noted, it was a very exciting season to start with, you know, beating the world champions and then going on a, on a multi-win spree like that. But the wheels came off that bus pretty fast. And it was, uh, it was, it was really kind of horrifying as Charger fans to think that here was a team that could have, you know, competed in the playoffs to a team that basically missed out by losing to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, for their shot at the playoffs. You mentioned there too, obviously the game in week two against the against the Seahawks, who were the the reigning world champs at the time. I was actually in San Diego uh, that week. I was over for two weeks, and I actually got tickets to that game through the Chargers organization. Set me up with them, and uh, it was quite a game to be at. Absolutely phenomenal atmosphere, and I have to say, you know, that the people of San Diego are so welcoming. But the, the actual the crowd and the atmosphere, I couldn't believe how how much they were behind the team. Obviously, they lost the the week one game to the Cardinals, and they were really up for that game. It was one of the warmest days I definitely uh, have had in my lifetime I remember I'm sitting here living in Ireland it was absolutely crazy it was a I think it was on around 105 degrees that day so very very warm but an absolutely phenomenal performance by the team and any team that went on to beat the Seahawks this year kind of used that blueprint to try and keep the ball out of the hands of Russell Wilson Marshawn Lynch and it was a very successful day obviously for the team it was and uh, it was I was actually at that game too actually I'd come oh. back into uh, to San Diego for uh for some work-related purposes, but made sure I'd had time to, to see the game. It was far too hot for that uh, for that time in San Diego. Yeah, madness. But uh, but it was enjoyable, even with a with a decent Seahawk population in the stadium. Uh, San Diego loves its Chargers, and they're always out there to support them. Yeah, the Seahawks did travel big time to that, and before the game, they were all full of talk. There was a couple of guys uh, on the train on the way in were, were very arrogant. Anyway, I was sitting there. I actually wore my Packers jersey to the game. I'm a Packers fan, and I got uh, quite a few comments mm-hmm. and quite a few looks about why would you do that. But uh, you know, I always try and represent wherever I go. I, I think you wouldn't have had very much trouble in San Diego, short of wearing a Raiders or a Patriots jersey, <laughs> but. Uh, but, I mean, you know, we're kind of used to that, and it's not because San Diego doesn't have a strong fan base, but because every single time San Diego appears on an away schedule, especially in November or December, that's where everyone wants to go. Yeah. Uh, actually, before I moved out to Philadelphia, uh, we had a game in San Diego where the Chargers played the Eagles. There must have been 10,000 Eagle fans there, and I asked one of them why they were there, and he said, would you rather be in Philadelphia in November or San Diego? Yeah, good it's a very, a very good point, and I definitely agree with him. That was only September when we were there, but the weather was absolutely phenomenal. Next question, the favourite moment of the season. It might take a lot to beat that game because of what it meant to the team. There was a lot of talk after that team, you know, you bet or that game, you bet the world champions. Is there a chance that they can go make a run at the playoffs? So there was a lot of positivity around for the, the week or two after when I was still there. But favourite moment of the season, would that be it, or would you have something else that would top that one? I think it's pretty hard to uh, to beat. Uh, beating the world champions, especially after going 0-1 on a short week. And, you know, the Seahawks had decimated the Packers. Uh, sorry there. Uh, <laughs> we're coming into San Diego very confident. Uh, to do something like that is is pretty tough to beat. If I had to go for a second, it would probably be the, the comeback Saturday night win against San Francisco. Uh, team had had two really tough losses in a row. A lot of people were saying they were done. They beat Baltimore in comeback fashion. They beat San Francisco in amazing comeback fashion. Yeah. So that's probably a close second, but it's hard to beat uh, beating the Seahawks as your top choice. Yeah, you mentioned there, obviously, the Seahawks had bet the Packers too, so more reason that uh, I was wearing the Packers top and more reason that I was obviously trying to get behind the Bolts and uh, will them to win. But maybe me being at the game, me then not being there for the rest of the season, took away from their opportunity. <laughs> I was the good luck charm all season. 
Yeah, we might have to import you then to San Diego. <laughs> we have a few things we could use some good luck on right about now. You have the that's the favorite moment. The next up is the MVP. Philip Rivers started the season. I mentioned the start of the season earlier. The start of the season, Philip Rivers was being talked about as a possible MVP candidate for the league. But then, just for the Chargers throughout the whole season, who would your MVP have been? Uh, it's probably going to be Philip Rivers. I mean, he had he had some tough points. He he regressed a little back here and there. But I think a lot of Charger fans and we we as a team don't have a history of amazing quarterbacks. You have Dan Fouts, you have John Hadle back in the sixties, you know, for a brief period. We had Stan Humphreys, Drew Brees was good for a little bit. But Philip Rivers, you know, kinda harkens back to Fouts as a very good and most importantly, very consistently good quarterback. And without this without him, this team is, I don't know, five, six wins, maybe seven if they're lucky. So really without Philip Rivers, you don't have anywhere near as much of a chance of victory he, he had a, a kind of down year uh, was it two three years ago now then they had the the coaching change and he, he really has stepped up his game very consistent over the last two years and you know he, he's not I don't think he's at that very top tier of quarterback but he is definitely leading the the candidates in the next tier of quarterbacks but you know I just mentioned there that he had that down year he's been very consistent the last two years would you put that down to you know what would you put that down to the consistency in the last two years compared to the, that down year that he did have when he then he came back won the comeback player of the year last year a, a lot of Charger fans looked at the end of the North Turner era as being, you know, basically the end of the mistake. But part of that is before about from 2006 to about 2009, the Chargers had an outstanding offensive line, some really high draft picks, some some gems that turned out great. Starting at about 2010, that started falling apart. We lost uh, our left guard, Chris Dealman, who had been really kind of the heart and soul of the team. We lost uh, the left tackle, Marcus McNeil. Uh, right after that, we got uh, screwed by Jared Gaither. So with a horrible offensive line as part of it, North Turner chose to throw a lot more five and just five yard, seven yard drop and chuck it uh, plays, which his offensive line couldn't have held up for. With Mike McCoy, you had a, a shorter passing game, a, little, a better offensive line, more, you know, the ball comes out of his hands quickly, allows him to be accurate and be comfortable. So you have a lot more of a consistent Phillip Rivers because the game is designed to take advantage of his intelligence, his quick reading, and his equally quick throwing motion to get the ball out as fast as possible. And he had a little bit of a down year near the end of it uh, uh, by the end of 2014. But again, it was leaps and bounds ahead of what we'd seen in the last few years of North Turner. Yeah, and a lot of people talk about you know Peyton Manning, his decision-making and the line, the adjustments he makes. Well, it's not talked about as much as Phillip Rivers, but there's not many quarterbacks in the league that do as much movement at the line of scrimmage as Phil does. No, uh, Philip Rivers, at least initially, uh, has kind of been given uh, carte blanche, if you will, or just free yeah. reign to make changes at the line, to, to to move stuff in and out. That can be both a blessing and a curse because, like Manning, he can move about a great deal and he can change out the play very easily. But other teams know that, and they, you know, when you disguise it well enough, sometimes it can fluster him. So it's it, it's really a double-edged sword, but it's an amazing thing to have a quarterback that intelligent that capable of making quick decisions so obviously mike mccoy has given him that their free range but mike mccoy and the rest of the coaching staff as a whole how happy have you been in the last two seasons with since that coaching change really came in how have you been satisfied with how they've started to try and move the franchise forward again i think people are generally happy with mike mccoy i think there's still uh some questions primarily how much does he take it to the next level mccoy for being a young ball coach um, we call him uh, occasionally Mick Schottenheimer because he has a tendency to be he, he could be a very ball control, you know, run, run, pass kind of uh, kind of coach, uh, even if the Chargers didn't have the running game to really back it up. 
at the same time, you know, he's made good improvements. I think fans are kind of waiting for him to take that next step into being, you know, pushing himself further as a good head coach. Uh, coordinators and whatnot, I think the uh, the jury's still kind of out on the offensive coordinator, Frank Wright. He showed flashes of brilliance and uh, flashes of wondering what on the earth he was thinking. Uh, so we just kind of have to wait and see. That was his first year as an OC. And John Pagano has a mixed record in San Diego. And with the Chargers signing uh, Mike Nolan to be their linebackers coach, I, I think the, the heat is definitely on John Pagano. Again, great moments at times, but a lot of very head-scratching decisions. And signing Mike Nolan to be a linebackers coach reminds us a little bit about 2006, uh, 2007, 2008. The Chargers picked up Ron Rivera as their linebacker coach uh, with Ted Cottrell as the defensive coordinator. One one plus bad year of Ted Cottrell was enough to throw him out of there, and they had a ready replacement uh, there in in Rivera. So a lot of Charger fans are wondering, could Mike Nolan be the next defensive coordinator of the Chargers? Yeah, and Rivera's gone on to you know have a very successful couple of years as the the head coach of the Panthers. So. Maybe, you know, you always have to have those guys that are ready to step up, and we've seen down now in the same kind of thing with the, the New Orleans Saints, where former Raiders coaches come in as a kind of assistant defensive coordinator to them. So um, Dennis Allen, is it? Well, Dennis Allen, yeah, the former coach of the Raiders. Kind of interesting fact: Chargers Raiders don't get along very well, <laughs> and yet, yet because Dennis Allen and Mike McCoy were such good friends formerly in Denver, it was kind of this odd situation where. The fans can't stand each other, but yet the coaches are kind of getting along with each other. It was very peculiar. Yeah, so you always need, obviously need those guys that have, you know, if something goes wrong, you have somebody to step in. You want to try and keep the thing as uh, consistent as possible. Just running through some of the players now on the team, most of them I'm going to go on the offensive side of the ball. Keenan Allen had a, a fantastic season last year, and, you know, maybe the, pr- the production wasn't there this year that people might have been expecting, but he had a lot of extra coverage going his way after having such a, a good year. It'll be interesting, you know, Odell Beckham had a big year this year. It'll be interesting to see if some uh, extra coverage sliding his way puts a bit, of, a bit of stop to his progress, but Keenan Allen, over the whole season, what did you make of his year? I, I think Keenan Allen ran into some some real tough situations. He had a lot of very good cornerbacks he was going up against, uh, sometimes back to back weeks. If it was you know Akeem Talib and uh, and Darrell Revis back to back, Richard Sherman and Leotis McKelvin and uh, Patrick Peterson back to back to back weeks, uh, and also it kind of exposed a little bit of a flaw with Allen. Allen is a great route runner, a guy who's fantastic at the top of his routes, great at creating space. He's not a burner, and the Chargers really didn't have a, a good deep threat like they uh, like they had in years past. So things were unfortunately not as effective. I think a lot of Charger fans still are very confident in Keenan Allen, but I think it really pushes that they need that sort of deep threat complement. Now that could come in free agency with Torrey Smith or could come in the draft with someone like a uh, Tyler Lockett or whatnot out of Kansas State. So we'll have to wait and see, but I still think the future is really bright for Keenan Allen. You mentioned the future being bright for Keenan Allen, the guy that uh, I don't know how long his future is going to keep going on for, but it's Antonio Gates. He had a big, big game in that Week 2 game against the, the Seahawks. He had a couple of big games this year, but he seems to just go on and go on and go on forever, and it looks like there's no stopping him. But Antonio Gates, obviously, I would imagine he's going to go into the Hall of Fame when he retires, but uh, how, how impressed have you been with how he's kept his career going, the longevity of it, and how many years do you think he is left in the tank? The scary thing is that the San Diego Chargers really do have a really good heir apparent in Ladarius Green, yeah. who kind of matches and actually exceeds Gates in some areas. But you know, God bless Gates; he just he keeps finding the fountain of youth and keeps getting better with age. Uh, I don't know how he's going to stay going much longer. I definitely think he's a Hall of Fame tight end, but uh, there was some questions maybe two years ago, three years ago. He had about two years in a row 
where he had some real foot trouble. He clearly wasn't his full speed. And uh, he, he caught a lot, I think, a lot of Charger fans and maybe even the league by surprise uh, with how good he was this year, very much a reminiscence of him in his prime. Uh, he's definitely a Hall of Fame tight end. I don't know how much longer he could go. Tony Gonzalez was really effective all the way into his late 30s. Maybe it could be the same with uh, with Antonio Gates. I don't think you'll find Charger fans complaining if they have uh, a double tight end set with Gates and Green uh, for an extended period of time. Yeah, you mentioned Gonzalez there and like Green as, or like Gates as well. It's not a guy that's going for his explosive pace all the time, but he was just so strong and could get the job done time and time again. So good similarities there between the two of them. We'll see how, I'd say, definitely goes in this year, obviously, and then we'll see uh, how he goes in the next couple of years after that. But a man who's not going to be playing next season, and that is Nick Hardwick. He retired. Is that there? Do you, do you think that's going to be a big loss this upcoming season? I definitely think it is. Nick Hardwick was sort of the last of the big uh, the big three. He was picked up in, uh, in 2004, and a lot of Charger fans kind of scratched their heads going, why'd you get him? And from 2004, basically the last year, I think he might have missed one season. He was really the heart and soul of the team. He was a guy you could see, you know, walking around the streets of San Diego, very approachable, very good guy. And you could just see it. I think the Chargers might have set a record for how many centers they used in one year. But uh, it's going to be I I think we were down to five or six of them at this point. Uh, So we've got great depth, at least. That's at least nice to see (laughs) uh, with six or seven centers on the roster. But... uh, I mean, Hardwick was, I think, the last real remnant of that great 2004 draft and sort of one of the last links to those great uh, 2004 to 2009 teams where the Chargers were rattling off AFC West titles like there was no tomorrow. So it's unfortunate, and the team's got a very big hole to uh, to fix uh, and replace him with. Obviously, we mentioned there, talked about Gates, potential future Hall of Famer, a man who is going into the Hall of Fame this year, and that's Junior Seo, former Chargers great. Just some thoughts on uh, Junior Seo as a player and his time with the Chargers? You know, I, I really grew up in, in the Junior Seo era. I'm, I'm about 31. Uh, 1990, Junior Seo was drafted. So I missed a lot of the air Coriel era that, like, my partner, Ray, uh, who's about 10 years older than me, he got a chance to see John Jefferson and uh, Don Coriel in the offense. Right. To me, growing up, Junior Seau was the player you were proud to be a Charger fan for. He was the guy, if you played linebacker, you wanted, to, or anywhere on the defense, you emulated his intensity. You saw him around town. He was proud to be a San Diegan. He was proud to come from this area. And, you know, it it really it really hit a big hole in uh, in the community with his passing. I think it still is a pretty... Uh, is a pretty sad moment, and you know, right up there with on the baseball side, Tony Gwynn. Those are those are the one and two maybe Hall of Fame or Mount Rushmore, if you will, of San Diego sports. And uh, I actually remember when Junior passed away. I actually was working in an office. I think I was the only football fan. Everyone in the office was sad and was really heartbroken because he was truly a son of San Diego, and for a community that's kind of built primarily on uh, transplants, that's that's a hard thing to find, and it really strikes home. Yeah, obviously a very, very sad circumstances around his passing and, you know, an absolutely phenomenal football player and quite quite rightly goes into the Hall of Fame this year. Some players that are hopefully getting their name into the Hall of Fame someday and the, the rookie class that just took through this year from last year's draft, any of them that really, really stood out to you and any of them that you might have been slightly disappointed with? I think by and large, this is a good group, a rookie class. I think it's just injuries and whatnot were preventing them from really performing. I think Jason Verrett has incredible skill and talent. He, A lot of people were talking at him as probably being the best cornerback the Chargers have drafted in years, maybe since Gil Bird in the early 80s. Um, Jeremiah Tauchu has shown great 
stride, great speed, great talents. Again, just needs to get out there. Chris Watt, who's our guard and is apparently going to be our center of the future, when he was out there was doing a very good job, but like kind of like the rest of the offensive line was struggling with injuries. There, there's some good depth in here and some great players. I don't know if there's going to be an all-star or even you know a Hall of Famer in this group, but I could see probably five of the of the five, of the four who are still on the team from the draft, which is uh, Verrett, Atachu, Watt, and Ryan Carruthers. I could see at the very minimum being solid performers, if not all-stars, in the very near future. So I think it's just one more good draft. And I think the Chargers will really be over that hump and can compete for the AFC West crown. Yeah, I think a lot of teams last year throughout the NFL had solid drafts. A lot of players were instant contributors for them. Maybe actually the Cleveland Browns, not to bash yeah. Browns fans, but other other teams really seem to have solid drafts. And uh, the Chargers are another one of those uh, teams. Free agents in the draft now coming up this year. You mentioned somebody like Tory Smith. Maybe could be an option. You know, if he leaves the Baltimore Ravens, a burner on the outside, and then obviously the draft coming up. Is there any key areas that you think specifically? You mentioned the injuries at to our Hardwick retiring and the injuries right there. What areas of need do you think this Chargers team really has that are crucial to success next year? I think the Chargers would be behooved to just start adding some extra offensive firepower. Uh, there's talk of moving DJ Fluker, the right tackle, huge fan favorite among uh, uh, fans in the know. They're talking about moving him to right guard, so another tackle might be good, someone like a TJ Clemens or a Leo Collins. Uh, I think the Chargers need a running back above almost all else. The Chargers haven't had a good running game pretty much since LT retired. Ryan Matthews, too many injuries, too many fumbles to to really be effective. So I don't see him coming back. But a Todd Gurley or a Duke Johnson or someone like that could, you know, just could be huge for the Chargers in terms of the extra dimension in the offense. And I think as well, they're probably going to look at wide receiver. I mentioned Torrey Smith. Uh, there's a couple of decent options, maybe Jeremy Macklin, but in terms of the draft, this is a very deep draft, for, especially for speedsters. So it could be anyone from Tyler Lockett out of Kansas State, uh, Nelson Aguiori uh, from uh, USC. It could be Philip Dorsett from Miami, Florida. So there's a lot of options. The Chargers have all their picks but the seventh rounder. So, I mean, they have a lot of ammunition. They also have a lot of ammunition uh, cap-wise for free agents for the first time in Tom Telesco's uh, time in San Diego. So we'll have to wait and see, but the Chargers have – a couple of set needs. They don't have very many free agents of real note, and they have the cap space and the uh, the draft picks to really do something with them. Obviously, Peyton Manning is expected to come back to the Denver Broncos this upcoming season, but you know it might be time. The Chargers, obviously, the Philip Rivers, he's not going to go on forever. He says he wants to play for quite a considerable length of time longer, and definitely longer than Peyton Manning's going to be around. But you know, if if Manning leaves the Broncos, I think you have to see, and probably even with Manning there this year, the Chargers could uh, you know supplant them at the top of that division. Is that so? Would you be with a good draft, good free agency? Is that something you'd be confident of? I think so. I think the. The problem with the Broncos is right now, you know, John Elway, as much as I hate him, I have to give him credit. He really did structure his cap in such a way that, you know, he had some flexibility. He could do some great things with it. But now kind of it's kind of coming all to roost now. Yeah. So the there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of free agents coming up, a lot of people demanding raises combined with the less health of Peyton Manning. I think the Chargers could take up that mantle as the class of the AFC West. I don't see the uh, – 
the Chiefs making a great deal of progress, and the Raiders are just kind of fumbling at this point. What else is new? But uh, <laughs> sorry, had to get. I have to get at least one Raider shot in. Yeah, and I've, I'm, I, I've had a lot of different people on, and everyone's had a shot at their rival in it. So uh, no, you know, being a Charger fan when I was growing up, we were kind of the doormat, and the Raiders were you know really doing great. So it's kind of it, it's very therapeutic for me to pay the Raiders <laughs> back in spades. Uh, but I, I do think they could be the, the Chargers could be the class within a year, especially with a good draft good free agent class regarding rivers you know if anything tom brady winning the super bowl was almost a boon for charger fans because here's a quarterback who's not very mobile really requires a strong pocket he's sort of the traditional model of the quarterback and he's playing in his late 30s and yet he was still able to carve up a pretty good seahawks defense i might add on his way to uh picking up his fourth super bowl so I, I think a lot of Charger fans take a look at Brady and go, you know, if he could do it, why can't Philip Rivers finally claim it late in his career? It was nearly around the time, too, that Tom Brady started to, you know, the Chargers started to play very well, that Philip Rivers' the season had gone great up to that point, and it was almost as if they, they switched teams at that stage. So, you know, it, it was ironic because I think Tom Brady's uh, coming out party in 2001 was against the Chargers in Foxborough when that was part of Doug Flutie's uh, famous return to some of his old AFC's haunts, including a uh, game in San Diego against Buffalo and against New England. So I, I think there's a lot of Charger fans who kind of look at that and go, man, we could have squashed that thing from the get-go. We wouldn't have had a deal with Tom Brady. <laughs> and uh, as well, I think the kind of t- Tom Brady's coming out game this year was probably that game in San Diego as well, where they, they won, uh, kind of took over in the second half. Yeah, that, uh, that was less than fortunate, and there was a lot of Charger fans grumbling on our show and on the forums and the podcasts and whatnot. So, I mean, as much as I hate Brady, and I not only as a Charger fan, but as a man with New York roots, I have to hate anything from New England or Boston. He He's still the best at what he does. St. Manning's second, but I still think Brady's better. And, you know, you have to tip your cap to a guy who's just that damn good at times. Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, obviously... We've talked about last season. We've kind of glanced at the draft, looking towards next season. Your thoughts on overtaking the Broncos, obviously included in there. But you know, something we haven't taken, and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners here, and they're waiting. How come they haven't? How, how come they haven't mentioned it? How come they haven't mentioned it? Well, the word has come out in the last few days of a possibility between the LA fra- or a team going to LA has been talked about for a long time. But there's a possibility now with the Raiders, who you mentioned there, that you're uh, not a big fan of, and the Chargers linking up in LA for a, a joint stadium bid. And uh, you know, there's been a good few. Most of the questions come in on Twitter or for this. Connor Philpotson and our man I mentioned earlier Damien Brennan asked it as well so there's a lot of people asking the same question it was all around your thoughts on that uh, potential move to LA what do you think of the, you know, the kind of news that's come out in the last few days I discovered this just as I was about to go to bed last night I woke I went to sleep in a bad mood I woke up realized I wasn't dreaming <laughs> not a good way to start this is like finding out your girlfriend who you love with all your heart and soul you want to marry her is sleeping with the guy you can't stand at the <laughs> office there's no good way to see this, and I think a lot of Charger fans weren't surprised that they're looking at Los Angeles. I think if you look geography, San Diego is buffered by the Pacific and the West. Uh, you go south, you go hit Mexico. East, there's nothing but desert, so you hit Arizona. Yeah. But north is Anaheim, Disneyland, and the Anaheim Angels, and Los Angeles. So clearly the Chargers is the only Southern California NFL franchise really do want to protect their L.A interest and there's always been issues in san diego whether it's because of bankruptcy or poor mayoral decisions or some weird combination of priorities the stadium has never gotten the attention it deserved before it turned into a panic mode and now with 
uh, Carson becoming a viable option, it's really kind of put the, the ball in the court of the Chargers where they could extract probably a better deal. I do think the Chargers, by and large, want to stay in San Diego. I mean, they could have bolted for Los Angeles. No pun intended. Yeah, I was going to say that. Uh, yeah, sorry, I couldn't resist it. Um, they could have left for Los Angeles upwards of five years ago with basically no penalty, and yet they stayed in their own stadium. They stayed in Southern California trying to make a deal. But uh, Stan Kroenke, the guy who's looking to move the Rams from St. Louis back to Los Angeles, is pushing very hard. So there might be – it might have just forced uh, the Spanos, the uh, owning family of the San Diego Chargers, it might have forced their hand. And there's little symbols here and there that might get us worried. I, I really don't know what to make of it. I, I've never heard of a stadium – being shared not just by two teams, but by two teams who are rivals in the same division. That is, that borders on unfathomable. I've never heard of that happening before, but it's really put the ball in San Diego's court to get this done and get this done fast because, you know, this is is a team that's been in San Diego for 50 years. It's a part of the community, and I think it would mortify a lot of people to see the Chargers move up the road to Los Angeles, which is not exactly... uh, a lot of San Diegans don't have a greatest mindset of Los Angeles, if you will. Yeah, and you mentioned there as well the team being there for 50 years. You know, the Oakland Raiders have been in L.A. before the, the Rams have been in L.A. before, so them moving wouldn't be as big a you know, culture shock it's, maybe, but for the for the Chargers to move would be a, a quite a big deal. It, it's kind of funny. The, the, the L.A. Chargers moved to San Diego because they couldn't get anyone to watch, uh, to watch them. When the Rams and the Raiders were at times in Los Angeles uh, – with the exception of some great Super Bowl-ish years for the Raiders and some really good years in, I think, the late 80s, early 90s for the Rams, neither team really drew. I do remember, you know, games at the old Oakland uh, LA Coliseum for the Raiders and the Chargers, and Raider fans, you know, in a down year, nobody showed up. It was like 16-1 in favor of the Charger fans, and that's not easy to do, I must say. Uh, Given all of that... There's still been a lot of surveys done, and Los Angelinos either don't care as much about football or still maintain some of their old, uh, you know, old symbolism toward the Rams and the Raiders. Those are the teams they primarily want to move. I think out of a, out of a couple thousand people survey, only five percent wanted the Chargers to move to Los Angeles. So I, I, I get the why of it. I just think this is begging for a disaster, and it could very well, you know, end up with a good stadium but one bad year in Los Angeles can mean a lot of people just have no interest in going anywhere or going to the uh, to, to see the Chargers. And you mentioned as well, obviously if it was a joint bid, I think a joint bid might be the best way about getting uh, you know, a stadium in LA and so on and so forth, but getting with two rival teams is not a good decision and then getting two rival teams who are in the same division as well also doesn't help because even things like you know season tickets and so on like you know you can't have the whole sta- or half the three quarters of the stadium one week is for one team and then just switch it Know they're playing each yeah. other and so on. So I know that I know the Jets and the Giants have a similar thing, but I don't think it's quite the same thing. And they're no. in both in different divisions as well, and they're actually in different conferences, so it's a big, big difference. But unless, you know, the, what do you think of it? Actually, did just we'll say it does go ahead. Do you think there's a, you know a reshuffling of the divisions, or how do you think they'll go about it? It has to be. I, I cannot fathom how you could let two teams, let alone in the same conference, let alone in the same division, let alone that hate each other, <laughs> and, and make no mistake about it. There might not be a lot of uh, a back and forth with this, but Chargers and Raider fans can't stand each other. I mean, we really literally hate each other, almost on par with like a uh, Jets-Patriots or a Packers-Bears kind of thing. There's a lot of animosity, and as to the Raiders, uh, uh, shall we say, questionable history among its fan base, 
you're talking about a, a basic powder keg waiting to happen. And I, I just don't fathom it, except for maybe a, a moving of divisions. But who on earth is going to move? Are you going to move the the... You'd have to move them, I guess, to the west, but who would you move back to the... Uh, yeah, you have to uh, move to a team down to the other division. Yeah, who would you exactly move? Arizona? San Francisco? St. Louis? Those guys have all been part of the NFC. The The Seattle Seahawks are the only ones who used to be in the AFC East, or pardon me, in the AFC West, but you're going to move the, the, the Super Bowl runner-up to the AFC? I, I, this is just begging for a disaster. I, I don't know how on earth this is going to work which gives me maybe my only hope that the Chargers will remain in San Diego, but it's looking bleaker by the day, I'm afraid. As well, I think that the Raiders are a team that probably wants to move more than the Chargers. Do you think that the Chargers might be using this as a, a bargaining chip just to try and get, you know, you mentioned elections coming up and that, try and get a better deal for them in the city and maybe get a you know a stadium, a new stadium in San Diego? That, that would make the most sense. I, I'm not blind to the... Uh, to the machinations of uh, of major businesses. Look, I totally get that the uh, that the Chargers are in a situation where they want to protect their LA market. There's nowhere really to expand. San Diego has basically blithered for ten years on getting a stadium figured out. I, I, I get all of that entirely, but it's just you're basically throwing away seventy five percent of your fan base, hoping maybe you get half of that to stick around. In exchange, you'll go to twenty five percent in Los Angeles. Maybe a little bit more, but those are incredibly fickle fans. Ask a, ask a fan of the Dodgers or the Kings, uh, <laughs> the baseball or hockey franchises, hey, what happens during down years? They no disappear. the Staples Centers or the Dodger Stadium when they're having down years. LA likes a winner, and if you're not winning, you're, you're maybe a fifth attraction out of, out of ten. And uh, obviously, we could talk about this here for a long, long time. Uh, it could really go on forever, but there's people in higher positions that will be talking about it behind the scenes, and I'm sure you know in the coming weeks there's going to be a lot more information coming out as to what is going to happen. I would love to see the Chargers stay in San Diego, mostly because of the fact I like uh, I like San Diego. It's a city somewhere I'd like to go back to, and obviously, if you're in San Diego, then you can pop into a Chargers game. But you know the fans there are uh, very, very passionate about the game, obviously, and uh, you know even talking to fans around the stadium after the game, they even that was back in September they were very adamant they wanted the team to stay where it was so it's something that's going to be a lot more to talk about in the, the coming weeks and probably months and years yeah. to go ahead but uh, just before we finish up I just want to give you a chance to, to plug you know Bolts Talk podcast and everything you do over there if you want to just give it you'll be able to sell it better than I can well thank you Bolt Talk B-O-L-T-T-A-L-K dot com we're the oldest podcast in Chargerdom if you will we've been doing this this will be our 10th season which I'm sure, as you know, with a podcaster, it's very difficult to make it off the ground and keep up the success. We yeah. had great fan bases, great support, great light of audiences, and on top of which, a very passionate fan base uh, as part of our forum as well as part of our show. And uh, we take great pride in doing a fan show by fans, for fans, with the help of the fans. Uh, and basically, we see ourselves as sort of the flag bearer on that one for the Chargers. So we take we take pride. We do a one hour show during the uh, during the season and during parts of the off season, like the draft and free agency. So if you guys want to check it out, boltalk dot com. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. If you want to download us as a podcast, you can take us almost anywhere you want. But uh, I really want to appreciate this. I've uh, I've been listening to your show, catching up a little bit. You guys do a fantastic job. I'm thrilled to have a chance to uh, interact with so many European fans, both fans especially, 
And um, if you don't mind, I'll give a quick little shout out to Damien who uh, introduced the two of us. Thank you so much for the chance. <laughs> I was going to say uh, you were doing it for fans, you know, to listen to, and you know, you want to be representing the fans. Well, you know, you mentioned about <laughs> Damien is a big, big fan, obviously, of what you do there, and he got in touch with us. To see, he, he sent me a message. When's the Chargers one coming out? I said, "Have you anyone that you think that'll be good at representing the Chargers nation and you know talk, talking on the show?" And he sent it to you. I sent you a message. You you go back to me straight away. So we hooked this up very very quickly. Got it recorded, and I'm looking forward to getting all the, the listeners to listen into it because I know there's a lot of them, both fans particular over this side. And you know, in the UK and Ireland, everyone just wants to find out as much information as they can. And this is a hot button topic, obviously the stadium thing. So I think it'll be something people will all find very interesting. You're on Twitter yourself, Lauren, and. It's at Lauren Seth C, which is L O R E N S E T H C, and uh, I'd recommend them all giving you a follow for anything Chargers related. And of course, I'm sure you retweet out all the information off uh, the podcast and that the have going on. But it's been been a lot of fun talking. And maybe you know when there's some games coming up during the season, uh, or maybe even before the season, we'll, we'll hook up again, get you back on the show to talk more Chargers. It's, uh, it's been very a very fun time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much uh, for staying up late with me on this one. And I look forward to hearing for this. For everyone out there, go Bolts and keep listening to this outstanding podcast. <laughs> hey, this is Scott Fujita, former NFL linebacker and Super Bowl champion. And you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Uh, there was Lauren from the Bolt Top Podcast. Thanks a lot to him for coming on the show. Of course, do check out the fantastic stuff they have going on there. I know we have a lot of Bolt fans listening to the podcast on a regular basis. Uh, I know Damian Brennan, you got to mention there. Hi, Lauren. Uh, during, during that interview, Damien Brennan down in Dublin, big, big fan of the San Diego Chargers. So lots of uh, good stuff talked there with him. Obviously, the stadium really still up in the air, and uh, I know that's probably going to linger. But the sooner it started, probably the better for all fans, but I know there's a lot of Chargers fans certainly don't want to be moving in with the Raiders. Likewise with the Oakland Raiders fans, and uh, we had Rory Anderson on to discuss all things Raiders prior to that news coming out. But when that news did come out, uh, I'd say he, he's in the same boat. But it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with all the teams, including the St. Louis Rams as well. So on to the NFL news that has gone down this week. Of course, talked a little bit of Combine on the previous show. The big news in the last few days has been on the the Des Bryant. Is there a video? What is on the video? Does the video really exist? Um, Well, I would say there's some proof or some evidence behind the video existing. It's trying to be shopped around uh, where it is in the media to see who will be the highest bidder, who will pay the most money to get to supply that content, I guess, to the networks, to to the papers and so on and so forth. So uh, if it comes out, it's apparently it's a few years old. I was listening to Pro Football Talk. It was broken down very well there by Mike Florio. He talked through the stuff that he thought on it, and uh, he, he's tried to go in to you know, get, get the tape. So he was talking about things like he thinks it's uh, from, I think it's 2011 he said it was from. Uh, you know, Des Bryant has matured a lot in the last few years. But this is another thing. Des Bryant obviously is uh, about to become a free agent. I don't think he's going to become a free agent. But, you know, if this here comes out before a contract is signed with the Dallas Cowboys, we've heard that the Dallas Cowboys don't want to offer him a huge amount of guaranteed money. They have offered him a 10-year contract, but guaranteed money and sign- the signing bonus is only $5 million, which is very low for a, you know, a top-level wide receiver. I think since 2011, Des Bryant has caught the most touchdowns in the entire NFL. So, you know, a, a talented player like Dez obviously has his off the field struggles and uh, he's really improved in the last few years and that, that side of things. But, you know, the Cowboys, whether it's them that's leaking out news or what way it's going, this obviously isn't uh, all that good for Dez Bright and his contract negotiation standpoint. But the, if the video comes out, uh, apparently there's been rumours that it's worse than the Ray Rice elevator video. If it is worse than that, what happens with him? Does he get a suspension in the league? It happened three years ago prior to the new laws coming in for 
the NFL and the you know the personal conduct policy. So there's a lot of questions up in the air and a lot of stuff that's left to find out. Whether the video is ever released or not is another scenario. So a lot of stuff up in the air. Too many questions for me to answer. We're going to be talking Dallas Cowboys on the podcast and one of the upcoming shows. We'll be recording that in the very in the in the coming days. So we'll be talking about that and I'm sure there'll be more news coming out before I, I post that up. So I'll be talking more thoughts on that come the time. And of course they have things like DeMarco Murray. Do they resign him? Do they let him hit free agency and lots of other stuff going on with them. So uh, Des Bryant, um, obviously a difficult time for him at the moment. He had a few tweets and said he was tired of being kind of stabbed in the back and so on and so forth. So we'll see We'll see what comes of this eventually. And I'm sure it's going to be a hot news topic in the coming weeks. Next bit of news up and it's a bit that surprised me. I thought, you know, Pitt Manning, I thought he'd be back with the Denver Broncos this coming season. I think he's still going to be back with them. There's word going around now that he and the Denver Broncos are both in contract negotiations about, you know, restructuring that contract. Manning is scheduled to make $19 million each in the next two seasons. It's, his salary counts $21.5 million against the cap this year, and uh, of course it becomes fully guaranteed on March 9th. So, you know, they're, they're up here against it. They've kind of two weeks to get this sorted out. It'll be interesting. I didn't think Manning would take a, a pay cut. I thought the, the Broncos were looking to get the pay cut. I didn't think Manning was going to, you know, want to negotiate. But it seems like Manning's willing to negotiate. Maybe they said, like, uh, you know, you negotiate, Peyton, take a couple of million less, and we get maybe Demarius Thomas back in for you for the next two seasons, and Peyton tries to play out two more years to try and get himself another ring. We'll see if that's the way it goes. Um, very, very interesting. I thought there'd be no chance of uh, Peyton restructuring, but a guy who has made a huge, huge amount of money in his career, and uh, I think it is the right move for both him and the Broncos. I think, you know, I think he, he's, he's quite right to go and try and get that money, try and get the nine. 18 million that he is due to make this year because you look at some of the quarterbacks around the league the likes of Jay Cutler who are making in around the same amount of money as him Peyton Manning I'd rather have my team any day so you know although he has maybe deteriorating a little bit particularly in the second half of last season you know I still think he'll be back with a chip on his shoulder something to prove again this year to prove that he can still do it in the NFL so that there's it and the thing maybe before the next podcast there'll be more information on it because as I said it's a very short window of time before it becomes guaranteed he obviously has to pass the team physical as well before that there would become fully guaranteed as well. Some news that may surprise some people didn't really surprise me was that Reggie Bush was released by the Detroit Lions. You know, he had a great season two years ago and he had a lot of injuries then last season, missed quite a chunk off the season. You know, he led the team in rushing two years ago, 1,500 yards from scrimmage, and then last year he had under 300 yards, just at 297 yards, and he had 76 attempts. So, you know, Joyke Bell had a big year last year. Theo Riddick looked like he was that there kind of, you know, change of pace specialist back, trying to get him into the open field, and he's a, he's a player who's been developing well the last few seasons. So, you know, there's a lot of free agent running backs coming in now and then, like, free agency starting up now in the next few weeks and you have the likes of DeMarco Murray could be touching free agency, CJ Spiller, Mark Ingram, Ryan Matthews, Frank Gore, Justin Forsett and Shane Vereen. So you'd be putting him probably at the end of that and obviously there was news as well that uh, it looks like D'Angelo Williams is going to be released by the Carolina Panthers. So they're another two along with the likes of Chris Johnson, MJD, Stephen Jackson that are at the end of that free agent market for running backs. I'm sure there's a good chance that they'll all be picked up somewhere but the, the money that these guys are going to be able to command mightn't be all, all that much compared to what they would have been able to in the past. Reggie Bush now 29 years old, 3.25 million was due this season, so they, uh, you know, they they took that off the salary cap. And uh, Reggie Bush now in the lookout for a new club. We'll see where he lands. Another bit of news isn't surprising me either. Mike Wallace, the the Miami Dolphins, luck to be in the the frame of trying to trade him. Don't know who's going to want to to pick him up. He seems to be a little bit of trouble off the field, but no doubt about it, he is uh, one of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL. But you know, sometimes it's just application on the field and that comes into question there was a game at the end of the season where I think he pulled himself out of the game might have been against the Minnesota Vikings for the Miami Dolphins and anytime you hear something like that very very disappointing from a professional athlete 
So we'll see where he ends up. Some people will be looking for a burner on the outside, so there'll be a couple of teams looking like they could uh, maybe turn his career back in the right direction. Word that the New England Patriots are perhaps looking at Percy Harvin. If he got cut by the Jets, another player with dynamic playmaking abilities and uh, they're two guys that I'm sure some team will be desperate to snap up, but it'll just take uh, you know some time to see where it goes. And just wrapping up the news, um, you know, the Green Bay Packers was news that was seemed to be coming for a while. Brad Jones was released by the Packers last week, and now A.J. Hawk, who uh, leads the franchise in tackles with 1,118 tackles. After nine years with the team, one of their highest uh, first-round picks, you know, in the last kind of 10, 15 years was uh, A.J. Hawk, and he was released by the team. And all, by all accounts, seems to be very mutual. I think A.J. Hawk might try and get another year or two in the league. You know, he's dip in performance the last couple of seasons but still a you know a key kind of leader in the locker room off the Packers so he he's gone now seems to be that he is uh, very happy with the way the Packers dealt with it said they dealt with it in a first class way and AJ Hawk's always good he does his own podcast as well always good to listen to his thoughts so anyone that hasn't heard it check out the podcast with AJ Hawk talking about his thoughts on leaving the Packers and how it all went down so disappointed to see him leaving as a leader part but in the in the play department his play has dipped a little bit in the last few years and uh, the Packers I think obviously that's a key key need for them now drafting free agency we'll see where they go there but saved a little bit of cap money there three and a half million as well saved for the Packers so really and truly that there's the little bits of news there was a good bit of news came out this week rather than the, the last few shows where it's been just a little tiny clips at the end so that there's all the news for this show we'll be back our next show is going to be recapping the seattle seahawks the one after that is the dallas cowboys so i know there'll be a lot of you guys out there cowboys fans looking forward to that one and you'll be on tender hooks waiting to see what happens with des bryant his contract negotiations and of course the rumored video seattle seahawks one is already recorded it was with dana o'garman from nfl female lots of interesting stuff talked with her about in that one so i'll be back later in the week with another show and until then keep spreading the word of overtime ireland and have a good one thank you for listening to the overtime ireland american football podcast Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.